0: Chapter 120 of Varney the Vampire, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume 2 by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 120 The Hunt for the Vampire in the Subterranean Passage. The information that had been given to Mrs. Williams, respecting her daughter and James Anderson having together left the great hall of Anderbury House, was perfectly correct. The voice of Anderson, whispering words of affection in the ear of Helen, was sufficient to arouse her from the state of syncope in which she had fallen, and when she recovered and looked in his face, the expression of joy which her countenance wore at once dispelled all his doubts. "'Helen! dear Helen!' he whispered. Are you indeed still in heart mine? Still as ever, she replied. Come with me, I have much to tell you, and we need not heed the thoughts and feelings of the throng that is here. If you can walk, place your arm in mine, and lean upon me, and we will get out of all this trouble and confusion. Helen was but too glad to avail herself of such an offer, and she accordingly at once did so and leaning for support upon that arm, which, of all others, she most loved to bear upon, they together passed out of the great hall, through one of the numerous doorways leading from it. Being both of them quite ignorant of what may be called the topography of Anderbury House, they went on till they came to a small but very elegant apartment, in which a table was laid with wines, and some costly refreshments, which, from the fact of an extremely clerical-looking shovel-hat being upon one of the chairs, there was no great difficulty in coming to the conclusion that this had been a reception-room, got up purposely for the reverend gentleman who was to perform the ceremony of marriage between the baron and Miss Williams, and in which he had refreshed himself prior to the performance of that dreadfully arduous task, for which, no doubt, as all persons are, he was so very insufficiently paid. A glass of wine, which James Anderson poured out for Helen, tended much to recover her, and when he said to her in accents of the greatest affection, Helen, Helen, is it possible that you really so far forgot me as to promise your hand to another? She burst into tears as she clung to his arm, saying, I know you cannot, you ought not to forgive me. I did promise, but I did not forget you, and if you know the cruel persecution to which I have been subjected, you would pity, perhaps, as much as you condemn me you did not know that some days since i wrote you a note me a note oh heavens no no what became of it to whom did you entrust it oh james had i but thought you were near me do you think that for one moment i would have yielded even to the representations which were made to me i see it all he said your mother has carried on this matter with more tact than candor and honesty of purpose i do not condemn you dear helen and no one shall ever disturb you in your possession of a heart which is wholly yours. And can you forget? All but that I love you I can and will forget, Helen. I do not deserve this noble generosity, for I ought not to have yielded James. I feel that I ought to have clung to the remembrance of your affection, and found in that an abundant consolation, as well as abundant strength, to resist the whole world. Say no more, dearest, upon that head but let us to the full enjoy the happiness of this meeting without the drawback of a single doubt we will never part again never never but james what was the meaning of that sudden exclamation from one of the guests as regarded the baron you allude to admiral bell proclaiming him to be a vampire and i must say it fills me with quite as much astonishment as it can you i did hear a strange story of that sort from a sailor a short time ago "'but I looked upon it as a mere superstition "'and paid no attention to it. "'You know what it means, I presume, "'and that a vampire is supposed to be "'a half-supernatural creature "'who supports a spurious and horrible existence "'by feeding upon the blood of any one "'whom he can make his victim.' "'If this horrible superstition,' said Helen with a shudder, "'be true, what a dreadful fate have I escaped!' "'It surely must be some error of judgment.' But still, dear one, you have escaped a dreadful fate, a fate worse than any vampire would have afflicted upon you, the fate of being united with one whom you cannot love. Yes, said Helen, that is indeed an escape, but how came you, of all persons in the world, a guest here? I came, Helen, under cover of a general invitation, with a most worthy family, to whose kindness I feel myself much indebted, and which empowered them to bring with them whom they pleased. My wish and object was to take one last look at the face I had loved so well before I left you forever." "'Oh, heavens!' said Helen, and I was so near being sacrificed while you were by. Even now I shudder at the dreadful chasm. I feel that you ought not to forgive me. Say no more, say no more. All that, Helen, is now past and forgotten, and I can well imagine how your mother would torture you with supplications because she believed this man to be rich and consequently the sort of person above all others as most desirable for her to have as a son-in-law we will only consider that a great anxiety and a great danger has passed away and we will not stop to ask ourselves what it was ever good and ever generous resumed helen as her head reposed upon her lover's breast oh said jack pringle as he popped his head in at the door I beg your pardon, you are better engaged, but we are going to have a grand vampire hunt through the house, and I thought you would like to join it, perhaps. "'Stay a moment, stay,' cried Anderson. "'Do you mean to tell me, really, that this is the person who gave your friends, the Bannerworths, so much trouble and inconvenience?' "'Yes, I do,' said Jack. "'Lor bless you, he is quite an old acquaintance of ours, is old Varney. Sometimes he hunts us, sometimes we hunt him.' He is rather a troublesome acquaintance, notwithstanding, and I think there are a good many people in the world, a jolly right worse vampires than Varney. "'I have no cause to hunt him,' said Anderson, and so, therefore, I feel certainly more inclined to decline than otherwise engaging in such a transaction. "'Don't mention it,' said Jack. "'You are a deuced deal better engaged, and there needs no excuses.' jack was quite right as regarded the projected hunt for the unfortunate varney in Anderbury house for the liberal offer of reward which the admiral had made to any one who would secure him was calculated to stimulate every possible exertion that people could make upon the occasion so much so indeed that the bannerworths after a brief consultation among themselves thought that for the protection of varney it would be much better that they should find him than now leave him with the character that had been given him as such a dangerous member of society the servants, and some of the guests even, had gone very systematically to work for the purpose of taking Varney prisoner, for, in the first instance, they had secured all the outlets from the house, so that, as the footman with the yellow plush continuations remarked, he must jump over a cliff if he wanted to get away. The admiral and Henry agreed with each other that they would be foremost in the search, in order to protect Varney from any violence, For although this conduct of his might be considered as very bad, and an outrage upon society in passing himself off as a baron, and endeavouring to effect an alliance with a young and innocent girl, yet they, the Bannerworths, had nothing to complain of in the transaction whatever. Consequently was it that they felt an inclination to defend Barney from personal violence, and this was, to a certain extent, to be dreaded, because Anderbury, being so short a distance from Bannerworth, it was not to be supposed but that some news of the mysterious appearance of the vampire had reached the ears of almost every one who happened to be present at the baron's wedding and although these persons might be supposed to belong to a class of society not likely to commit acts of violence yet there was no knowing what in the excitement of the moment might be done while the search went on flora was introduced to helen williams and remained with her, commencing a friendship which lasted afterwards, to the great advantage of Helen, for many a year. The Bannerworths would have been pleased and interested at going over Andaberry House under any other circumstances than the present one, for truly the Baron had made it a most magnificent abode. By judicious additions to the antique furniture which had belonged to it when he took it, he had made some of the apartments look gorgeous in the extreme, and while he had not disturbed the character of the decorations, he had certainly shown a very fine taste in adding to them. But their minds were by far too much occupied with considerations connected with Varney to pay much attention to his house, and as they traversed room after room in search of him without finding him, they began to think that, with his usual good fortune, he had contrived entirely to escape. The servants, who knew the place well, perhaps better than Varney did himself, searched for him in almost impossible places until it began to be the general opinion that he must have escaped they were standing by a large bay window which commanded a view of the gardens when one of the servants suddenly exclaimed i see him i see him there he goes and pointed into the garden where for one instant henry bannerworth as well as the admiral saw varney in his rich suit of wedding apparel dart from among the bushes towards a summer-house that was in the garden near at hand "'Tis he, indeed,' said Henry. "'Let us get down instantly, or he may yet effect his escape.' "'No, no,' cried one of the servants. "'He cannot do that. "'The garden wall is too high, and the men are stationed at the gate. "'It's quite clear to me what he is about. "'Look at him. "'He is going towards the old passage that leads to the seashore.' "'Then he will escape, of course,' said Henry, "'for no one can hope to overtake him.' "'Don't you be afraid of that, sir,' cried the servant.' One of my mates has gone round to the beach to watch, and he won't let the door be opened that leads out on to the sands, so he cannot get away by that mode. In that case, then, we have him completely entrapped, and, as you say, he cannot escape. It must be the madness of positive desperation that induces him to go to that place. "'Let us be off at once after him,' said the Admiral. "'That is our only plan. Come on at once.' the sooner we get hold of him the better for his own sake as well as for ours thus urged they all proceeded towards the garden in which was the mysterious well-like entrance to the subterraneous passage which formed so great a feature in the estate of anderbury on the moment and which at the time that varney had taken the mansion had evidently formed to him one of its principal attractions to the admiral and his party as well as to several of the guests who joined from motives of curiosity in the pursuit for varney this place was perfectly new and it certainly to look down it did not present by any means an inviting prospect for although it sloped sufficiently to take off the absolute appearance of being a downright hole in the earth yet beyond a few feet in depth the gloom had something positively terrific about it well said the admiral "'I've been into the hold of many a ship, "'but never one that looked half so gloomy as this, I can say. "'What do you say to it, Jack?' "'There's no use saying anything to such places,' said Jack. "'The only way, if we want to catch old Barney, "'which I suppose we do, "'is to pop down at it once and done with it. "'So come along. "'I won't flinch if it was ten times worse. "'Come on, Admiral, let's go down after the enemy.' "'I cannot say it's exactly the kind of place I admire,' said the Admiral.' "'But, howsomedever, if one must go down it, "'who shall say that Admiral Bell flinched from it? "'Come on, all of you, let all who will follow.' "'The passage did not look a very inviting one, "'and it was found that the courage of the guests "'began to cool down wonderfully when, "'instead of rushing from apartment to apartment "'in search of Varney the vampire, "'they found that they had to encounter "'the gloom and darkness of that underground abode. "'Out of the positive throng which had been pursuing Varney,' only four in addition to the admiral and the male portion of his party ventured to descend into that black looking place what said jack have we got such a bunch of skulkers whenever we come to close quarters with the enemy well shiver my timbers if i didn't expect as much from a lot of landlubbers who don't know what they are about any more than a marine in a squall but who cares come along admiral and if we have to do all the fighting we shall at all events have all the glory "'I hope there will be nothing of the one at all events,' said Henry, "'for my intention is rather to save Varney from injury than to injure him.' "'We must have lights,' said the Admiral. "'I don't mind going down into a queer place to look for Varney, "'but I must have the means of seeing what I am about when I get there.' "'They will be here, sir, directly,' said the big footman, "'who from the first had made himself conspicuous in the pursuit of Varney.' that is to say, ever since the reward of one hundred pounds had been offered by the admiral to any one who would take him prisoner. And in a few moments some of the links, which were always kept in the kitchen of Anderbury House, for the express purpose of descending into the subterraneous passages with, were produced and lighted. By this time, too, the four guests had decreased to three, and two of those seemed to hang back rather a little while one of them seemed disposed to make up as much as possible for any deficiency of courage on the part of the others, by declaring his intention of ferreting out Varney, let him be hidden where he might. "'I am with you, sir,' he said to the admiral. "'Let this place lead where it may, for I have heard so much about vampires, and really am so curious to know more about them.' "'You don't believe in them, do you?' "'I can't say that I do, sir.' but, at the same time, when we hear such well-authenticated cases brought forward about them, it is very difficult, indeed, to say at once, that one has no belief in such things. Well, you are right enough there, and if you knew as much about Varney the Vampire as we do, I think you would be a little puzzled to know what to say about him, for I'll be hanged if he don't puzzle me above a bit, and I don't know now what to think of him. End of chapter 120